radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Today's podcast is with a Agile program manager uh, from Berlin. Um, we have a topic that is very, very relevant for the time of coronavirus. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about virtual. We're talking about remote, but we also talk about the role of the Agile program manager. First time to Agile FM. Thank you, Laurie Apple. Hi, how's it going? It's going very, very well. Thank you. I hope you're doing well, too, in difficult times uh, we're facing with um, Corona, COVID-19. Um, we want to talk a little bit about program management. We want to talk about agile program management. Uh, this is a topic that comes up uh, again and again. Uh, is there a role for a program manager? Um, is What is the role of a program manager? What is an agile coach? Some, some things we want to explore in this uh, episode here together. Uh, Laura, you work for, just to give a little context uh, to listeners out there, you work for a travel company um, in the travel industry in, in Berlin. We want to leave it like this, right, because uh, we, we just want to explore the role a little bit together. And one of the things uh, we touched prior to this recording on was words like zombie agile or zombie scrum. Um, and, uh, and before we even go into the role of an agile program manager, I'm just curious, how do you define that as zombie Zombie Agile, Zombie Scrum. Oh, I think other people have defined it, and I just use theirs, but essentially just doing things by the book or expecting your Agile coaches, your Scrum masters, your program managers to just stick to the yeah. very basic elements of what the frameworks they might be using or prescribing or just not actually helping to get their, not encouraging them to get their hands dirty in terms of uh, helping with delivery. So uh, I have not, fortunately, I have not uh, been exposed to this personally too much, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I I have heard that other people have been, and I Mm -hmm. see sometimes on Twitter that a scrum master at a particular company will just be asked to do something arbitrarily just because we think this will help teams perform better. Like, well, let's count all the bugs or... Let's, you know, have dashboards that uh, cl- create a lot of uh, story mm-hmm. points and velocity metrics. But then, okay, well, what is all of these numbers, what do the numbers actually signify? Is it value or are you just keeping score? So yeah. those kinds of a- activities as well. Like, just do it because we think it might, it'll produce a data point, but mm-hmm. we're not going to explore too too deeply what that data point even means. And it I, might even be an anti-pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so uh, zombie scrum. I have seen also situations like just as you said, right? A situation where somebody would just go follow the book, follow the description of uh, you know what they think um, the, the scrum process would ask them to do, going into a daily scrum or something like this, right? Whereas the role is not even defined in a way that scrum masters would be needed or mandatory in this meeting, right? So it's like this this uh, pseudo standard of what it is and becomes like an administrator or somebody who is just like sits in these meetings, et cetera. Now I wanna talk about something with you here because that is uh, important in my opinion for everybody in this possible crisis, right? And there's always in a crisis, there's always opportunity. And there's two ways obviously of, of doing these things, right? We could be you know, just continue following the book. We're gonna keep a low profile. We're gonna, how long is this crisis gonna last? We don't know, there's no end to it, right? 
So there are certain things um, we could do, or is this the time for um, people like Scrum Masters or maybe directing it to program management, program managers to step up, right? And, uh, and, and do something. What, is, what are your thoughts around uh, this in the current times, right? We're recording this on the 30th of April. Sure. So I totally agree. And I think that the companies that are hiring program managers and agile coaches or scrum masters who or who have hired them uh, are partners in helping the what we call it the glue people. Um, This Mm -hmm. isn't my term. There's a, a whole book about it, but that these important glue people are actually able to make an impact and measure the impact uh, in meaningful ways. So, for example, and that's not just staying with the old velocity and story points metrics, but um, have your program managers and agile coaches and scrum masters been able to reduce steps in administrative overhead? Um, are, but you, as a company, you have to sp- sponsor and support them. And mm-hmm. You have to help them be aware that that is what their role can include. And then you also have to... Um, listen and support them as they start going about more system level changes to an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've seen and heard of organizations where a scrum master might be working on two or three teams and helping them, but everything above the two or three teams is a mess. Um, you know, dueling roadmaps between tech and engine uh, product mm-hmm. or just uh, meteors being shoved into teams uh, surprise with you know no indication that they were even coming and a scrum master can't just help those two or three teams if they aren't getting organizational support by you know hey we have a problem here we have constant meteors being tossed into these teams and mm-hmm. you know, we understand that roadmaps can change but certainly you just there was a process by which you got to this decision and it would have been very helpful if the teams were part of that decision or at least some representatives from the team so that it wasn't just this sudden decision that they're just now thrown completely off guard. So it's, it's things like that. The organizations need to um, help those glue people like me um, and probably many who are listening to be able to solve problems at the, at the root cause and not just mm-hmm. symptomatically, you know, putting a nice, agile polish on a big seething mess that's underneath it won't yeah. work yeah so it's actually interesting right so because if we are seeing scrum masters work on two or three teams that is often already the source of the problem right because that means the scrum master is just working with the teams and you just made you said a very important word it's the organizational support right it's like there is no more time left for working on any other aspects and uh, service levels of, of a scrum master to, let's say, work with a product owner, let's say, work with a, uh, the organizational impediments, right? So there's no more time left if I just being like uh, uh, focused on, on one thing, and that is the team level, in this case, for two or three teams. So I think this already lies the problem in, in many of those implementations that somebody sees the role of a scrum master as purely somebody who is um, administ- administering, and, and I put this in quotes, right? the process for a specific team. Now, uh, I think that's, that's very important that you're bringing up the organizational issues, right? So in the, in the glue for, uh, for people to connect, why is that so important in current times right now, especially in the, in the coronavirus uh, situation uh, that people are the, the glue? Why is, why is that so important? What do you think? 
because we can know many of us are used to working face to face and now we can't mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of subtle context in the highway conversations that we just aren't access to we have no access to now um so unless you have glue people coaches and sometimes managers can do this as well but we're, we'll we'll keep um making the case for the glue person. Um, yeah. You do not have them empowered to actually keep driving the culture in some remote format. Um, then what's going to happen is that you're going to start losing a lot of context unless there are people who are specifically empowered to make sure that that context is being generated and documented in mm -hmm. an alignment meetings or through just better documentation overall of plans, roadmaps, decisions. Mm -hmm. um, these are sometimes the first things to fall off of the plates when uh, there's pressure and in, in the air. And certainly lots of companies are feeling pressure right now, um, mm -hmm. making big pivots, many laying off people. So there's ambient okay. pressure from a lot of these difficult decisions and then you're going to ask somebody to make sure that decisions were logged somewhere. I mean, if a company has uh, developed the habits to do so, then it won't be a problem. But if they are not, um, or if a team is just not in the habit of documenting its own work, then this could be seen as um, uh, an additional stressor. <laughs> so uh, then this is where you're going to have to have people that maybe have to focus full time on just keeping the glue present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, we could almost say like glue people, I don't know if that is a good analogy or not. I don't have to think this through, right? But somebody who, you know, at parties, they are glue people, right? They, uh, they connect the dots, they bring yeah. different parts of the party together. They're, they have this, this social aptitude to connect people um, in different levels, right? Um, and obviously, um, it's not a party, right? It's it's work, right? But it's it's connected to that, right? There are some some folks in an organization who are, I mean, in, in a remote world, it's it's hard, right? So to just call up Laurie and say, hey, Laurie, how are you, right? But it's very easy on the floor if we're sitting on the same floor and it's like, I see Laurie, hey, Laurie, how are you, right? It's a very different thing to do this remote. So these group people have that kind of, um, what's what's the word, the ability to, to make these things even in a remote world, but also to drive things for the team and, and show uh, leadership. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, what kind of uh, interactions you have within an organization to um, to provide metrics that are meaningful. Um, mm -hmm. I went. Yeah, I can give you two examples from so, real yeah. life. So mm -hmm. even just today, um, we're discussing a different payment method. So there's a technical discuss discussion around this. And then there's a higher level product discussion around this. Mm -hmm. And then you have different layers of the organization, product engineering organization discussing this same topic, but maybe not all together and maybe talking about different facets of the same mm -hmm. problem. So um, someone like me who's listening into a meeting can ask that question of everybody. Well, you know, over here you're talking and over there you were talking are you all talking together? Yeah. And then, because sometimes there's also an assumption that, oh yeah, we are all talking about the same thing, payment service. And mm -hmm. I'm like, no, 
right now you're talking about different third-party vendors and over here this group was talking about just setting up the technical architecture to support such an, uh, a new service. So yeah. you all need to get together and talk together so that nobody's missing a key part of the story. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is the kind of work that many of us mm -hmm. are doing all of day to day. And then the second example is uh, releasing a different, uh, like a, a sub product um, or a different feature of our product. And this involved many departments that have not worked with product and engineering face-to-face, -face, or maybe they have never even done a stand-up before. And so, well, how are you gonna train everybody to just suddenly become agile? Well, you kind of can't. I mean, they've been exposed to agile through trainings and workshops in the past, so their understanding of the principles, but here's where they actually have to apply it. And so, you sometimes you just have to help people along and set up the context, and then usually what happens, in my experience, is they figure it out. They figure out what to do, because I see everybody else in the stand-up and they just, they, they yeah. observe and they learn. But someone needs to be able to drive the stand-up um, to start getting it going with the right information being shared and then eventually you hand off. But this is where you know, cross-departmental alignment um, can be much easier if you have uh, someone who is experience to see the challenges or anticipate them who can train people on the spot if it's necessary and and again because of the situation globally we off, we are finding ourselves uh, pressed for time you know there's a lot of quick decision making and there's a lot of uh, need for focus yeah. from teams and so there's really no time to waste and so what what many of us are seeing like i'm certainly seeing is that um with this pressure some comes a uh, greater adaptation like if the conditions are right in the company then what you're gonna probably see or what i've definitely seen is um people are getting into focus mode <laughs> but they need some support and they need to have the structure in place to know where they need to focus and you know what information to impart to which audiences, in which format, who do they need to align with? You know, those kinds of questions. Yeah, and there's certainly also the aspect of, you know, what's what's lost right now, at least for the next weeks and months to come, is the, the body language aspect, right? In an office, you would see people, how they, the mood is, the feeling, how they come out of meetings and how they behave in meetings. But um, in, in this virtual world right now, you literally have to schedule a meeting or call somebody to, get at least a voice or in video to possibly get an impression, but it is not possible with these technologies to just get a quick vibe check uh, on, a, on a floor. That's it's definitely, I would say, it's almost impossible unless you have town halls or uh, large meetings or your company is small in size in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, what's interesting, yeah, what's interesting is also um, what, you, what you say is the from a, from a cultural perspective, obviously the role of a scrum master and coach, agile coach would be, we often see that as a role, right? Whereas program management and project management is more like a job description, mm. uh, where things are on business cards, et cetera, right? So, um, and very often we see metrics associated with, uh, with that role, right? So um, uh, PMO, uh, some form of uh, best practices, et cetera, with the project and program management side. 
Now you you have also very strong opinions about topics such as metrics, right? And, and you see a lot of bad metrics uh, out there. Um, and uh, let's talk a little bit about metrics. What's what's your take on it? So yeah, I mean, I mentioned some of them earlier, just like counting bugs or just counting story points without assessing what the story points are actually representing. Um, relying too much on, I think the the metrics to carry you. But again, like, how do you decide what's valuable? That's a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's a conversation among stakeholders and a product manager or team, um, product owner working with team, mm -hmm. the teams that are working with the devs, getting the uh, implementation read, you know, is this gonna be an arduous uh, right. task from a technical perspective or is this gonna be something low effort and high impact and then how does that way into our overall prioritization for what needs to get done first and then mm -hmm. what is our data suggesting from customer feedback and yeah. so this is about having an analytical discussion among many different people and having all of that analysis being commonly shared in some reasonably uh, concise format and then it's debate right. and compromise right. Right, so I think it comes back to the to the glue person, right? Uh, because it's the the teams. Um, if if you just hand you know hand down, so to speak, the the metric aspect and say we need the following uh, data points, etc. Um, you know, you would have in a zombie scrum environment, you would have a situation of saying, let me just produce that, let me just create another Excel spreadsheet, or you know, or another report, or. Uh, data dump or <laughs> something like that, right? But in a non-zombie scrum environment, there would be a conversation about value, right? What, are, what do these metrics represent? Possibly the teams challenge them. Maybe the teams can't produce them. Maybe the teams are saying, it takes me way too much time to produce this, uh, these kind of metrics. Are there any kind of alternatives? Why do you need to know that, right? So I think it comes back to your point of, uh, you know, being that glue person to not only identify the, the value aspect, but also to communicate with the teams, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see my role. So at the program manager role, I've seen it done very different ways in different companies. And, and I know that there's even more interpretations of the role uh, in different environments. But the way that I look at the role is being a, being the person who, one of the people who can uh, push the agile mindset through getting the work done like the land of deadlines <laughs> and uh, our target dates and tracking the work and also the cross team cross departmental side of things like the way that um so i'm i've been working with a team of agile coaches in my current role and so when i came on board um they were wondering well how who does what and so basically the the party line that I created on this was that I'm hel I'm helping to organize and mm -hmm. everybody and align people and create the way we will track and visualize the work and how how we will communicate with each other and, and making sure that that's being taken care of and then you as coaches when there are teams that are going to struggle to get on board with some of the concepts and obligations or activities i should say that we're um, expecting from them like you go in and help those teams uh figure it out right. know, figure out their own ways of reporting um mm -hmm. updates or 
making decisions? Mm -hmm. um, is the team spirit good or their internal conflicts that would become a blocker because we spend too much time on the teams having arguments instead of like working together. So yeah. that's how we've worked things out and it's gone pretty well. And then uh, now with uh, some of the new initiatives that we're focusing on, we're seeing agile some of the agile coaches actually uh, getting involved with like, well, if we're gonna do schema driven design, well, what is the coach's role in making sure that the engineers and the teams are comfortable with the concept and that they are getting everything that they need to understand how they would implement this um, so whether it's training whether it's uh, knowledge exchange between teams you know however that might look um, yeah so it's, it's in your in your current um, organization there is obviously agile program management there's a there's a need and a desire for this right mm -hmm. or also these bodies because it's a role right it's uh, the role of a scrum master or is the program manager also acting out the role of a scrum master or is there additional um, additional support uh, no so we have I work with uh, two other coaches and then there's a uh, manager above the coaches and then I'm reporting into the director of engineering but you know we have we meet together we have a stand-ups and we have the open dialogue so that yeah. we can keep helping each other and informing each other and sharing yeah. information yeah, so I think uh, what you just said was about program management, right? I, I don't think there is a, a single definition of what that role is. I think companies mm -hmm. are keeping this role as you just did uh, as well, right? And I think that's uh, kind of the strength and a common sense kind of application to you are in a very specific industry. Here are the things that work for us. And these, this is the role of a program manager. But if you go to somebody else, the role might look uh, different. I think the metrics aspect is key, right? We're emphasizing here the the glue piece uh, as well between uh, the entities in a in an organization and i think what what uh, you're saying here is in getting in particularly um emphasized in large organizations right because there is uh, the larger the organization gets over time uh, there's more communication need and for that kind of glue um in between now your background is also a lot in open source development um and uh, i f feel like open source um, it's always, um, you know, there's self-organization right there, right? So self-organizing people around the globe contributing to a specific goal. Um, how, do, how do you see that connect in your role? Because you're very much exposed to open source, right? And how would that possibly influence the culture within an organization, um, possibly in the context of program management, et cetera? There, are there any kind of things you see in the open source movement that you see apply to, to the organization itself? What is it we can learn from, from open source? Sure, so um, my experiences with open source range from representing and working on the program for a specific company, um, mm -hmm. and then also being a program manager contributor to a 45,000 contributor uh, community. And mm -hmm. so a lot of this work in open source is done remotely mm -hmm. that's just how it's gone um and then uh, there's the community manager role and often uh, those are people who are helping to to do quite uh work that is quite similar it's definitely glue person work it's yeah. uh, helping to keep the workflow going helping make sure that contributors are having a good experience contributing to the product 
or projects um, help in making sure that there's a blog posts and documentation and so helping the communication part of uh, development mm -hmm. uh, keep moving forward and so this sometimes intersects with what an agile coach or program manager might do but sometimes it just is not and so you can find that there is a need for program management help or pro process help. Uh, mm -hmm. So there are a lot of engineers who are quite good at running their own processes, but to have the have contributors to an open source project do that plus keep process running, like you know, keeping the technical side running plus minding the process, it's, it's quite a lot. And this is often volunteer work, you know, it's, they're doing these contributions after hours yeah. because they just feel very passionate about the project that they're working on. And it can be a full-time job uh, just yeah. to, to run a small part of a huge project. So where I see agile coaches, scrum masters, et cetera, being quite valuable is like uh, some projects have talked about leadership training or helping uh, engineers who are in a in a leadership role just being able to manage process from a more empowered place um, mm -hmm. the learning delegation learning how to elevate needs communicating those needs knowing that that's okay to do mm -hmm. um, aligning with other leads around them um, holding responsiveness is a key element of their work and then if if being responsive is difficult, then finding some way to either get support or delegating communication mm -hmm. to someone in the team that they're working with. Yeah. Like this is, this is super important and it really helps empower uh, contributors to open source projects and, mm -hmm. and leaders of these projects by like, helping them develop uh, their skills, yeah. communication, delegation, also prioritization. Yeah, it's that passion aspect, right? In, in the open source, like I'm passionate about something, so I contribute possibly for free um, mm -hmm. to an open source project because I'm very, very passionate about this topic. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting thing. The, the, the passion drives the contribution. Um, so uh, if I, to, towards our end of our conversation here, I, um, I, I remember in 2001 or maybe it was 2002 or something like that, right after uh, September 11, um, I remember there was obviously a crisis, uh, sim not similar to this, very different crisis than uh, what we're going through right now, but um, the uncertainty, right? And the, if I remember correctly in that time frame, also the open source movement took off and I think it was the eclipse project uh, that, that kicked off at that time. I haven't followed this whole thing, I, but I just came back. Flash memory here. Um, do you think that Corona, this period right now, is also going to have an impact on open source? Do you think what's going to happen to open source? Is there a similar thing, uh, a new movement, a new bigger uh, attention to open space? Um, obviously, we don't have a insights yet on that but just like curious to hear do you think what what the impact of open source could be just based on what we're facing right now and uh do you think it's gonna have a spike so i mean it's quite early to tell but i can share some of the 
uh, observations so mm -hmm. far. So um, in the community that I'm working with, um, one of the extremely busy, like he's one of these super people that's just, I don't know how he gets everything done, but um, he has started a Friday night uh, virtual call for mm -hmm. key contributors and so this has been really great because it's just keeping community and building community and giving people uh, face time to just talk about life, talk about the project a little bit, but what people end up talking about most is just their interests, their families. And, you know, would this have happened uh, if we weren't in a global pandemic? Well, yeah, I mean, they would have mm -hmm. talked somehow, but it just seems a little more important now. Mm -hmm. um, and so he's done this and it's just been, it's been helpful to many of us, I think. Um, I'm also seeing, so a lot of open source contributors will get together at conferences and now this is no longer possible. And so you're seeing uh, leaders in the community spin up a lot of virtual conferences, virtual meetups. Mm -hmm. um, you're getting meetups that are hosted in the city and you have now global reach so yeah. you're getting to see um, folks that you've can you've talked to online, mainly. Yeah. You're getting to see them in person, and there's, from my experiences, more of a human touch to these meetups because people seem to be quite aware that yeah. we're in our houses, and we'll we'll extend the uh, um, informal discussion a little yeah. bit longer. Um, but also, you can't. Yeah. have your informal discussions one-on-one -on -one, it's going to be with the whole group right mm -hmm. so there's that and then um, I'm seeing like the hallway track model of conferences where you know all the conversations that are happening in the hallway track yeah. those are being uh, created by like there's um, a woman mm -hmm. at Red Hat who is running the hallway track series so nice. yeah so yeah. these are these are some of the uh, responses and I mean, maybe we'll, we're seeing that face-to-face -face communication is um, making a comeback <laughs> like people are, or that people are certainly validating the, the need for it. And, and I would like to give a shout out um, just to step back from open source or maybe just yeah. go through a door and land in the open source uh, garden again. But um, my, my Agile coaching colleagues are doing so much work to make sure that the whole company is being taken care of, making sure that messages are being communicated and we're having um, sessions on you know, mental health. Um, yeah. or, or they are, they're driving things. Um, they're, they're driving a lot of the taking care of people, um, mm -hmm. which is so important because it, it does affect the bottom line. It is intrinsic to delivery. If people are feeling secure and feeling okay, they will they, not they, have that they, stress or they're at least feeling listened to and acknowledged. Yeah. And this means that they feel a little bit better at work. And mm -hmm. so they won't necessarily bring that into the team or that, you know, you, they feel okay if they have a frustration, they can present it to the team and, mm -hmm. and the team can work it out instead of just sitting there feeling alone, not knowing yeah. if they can bring up what's on their mind. So, yeah. um, the coaches that I work with are doing a huge amount of work on that. And we need to press that support off. button, right? We need to press that support button. It's like, I need team support. I need somebody to talk to, right? And uh, 
um, yeah, so definitely, I always, you know, I uh, say at the end, you know, uh, we can be happy that we have the internet. You know, could you imagine right now, what would you do? We would write letters to each other. No, I'm saying uh, the technical advancement here actually helps us out now in this crisis. We can have these kind of uh, video conferencing, we can have um, electronic communication, et cetera. So good for us, right? Um, let's take advantage of it in the best possible way in the interim. But I also really, really hope we're going to have face-to-face and in-person uh, conferences soon. Well, I mean, it's constraints, right? And yeah. constraints often lead to creativity. Exactly. So like my, some of my colleagues and I have been sp- speaking that message before this all hit. And, and then now we were kind of forced to just look at constraints square in the face and do our best to work with them. And yeah. I've just been so, so excited for my colleagues. They really have just been doing phenomenal work and and handling the constraints with grace. And it's yeah. it's been right. fun to see, but they get the support that they need. And mm-hmm. um, this is creativity and the uh, the freedom to fail has been uh, communicated quite clearly. And so that's really important. Um, and I don't think you get that from like the scrum by the book model. You know, you, you really right. need to, it's a lot of, handling people's fear and making it a safe environment for them to just go off and try things out. And, and so what we're seeing in my company is that that is paying off a yeah. huge dividend. I totally agree with you. I think we're going to see a wave coming out of this uh, pandemic uh, of creativity in business, be it creativity in technology. I think we're going to see a, a follow-up wave in terms of new businesses emerge, new models, um, new Uh, maybe more services that are uh, resistant to possibly other things uh, that come down our uh, path uh, in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think this, I think there's going to be a lot uh, of that. It's just not noticeable right now, uh, but uh, possibly down the road. Um, Laurie, I want to thank you for your time. Yeah, Uh, thank you. That was fun. Uh, Thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts around uh, program management and agile project program management you know, highlighting the emphasis on um, on that glue factor and uh, metrics. And I, I'm pretty sure everybody out there who listened to this got some new ideas and we put this all in context of, of COVID. Thank you yeah, so I much. Mean, so yeah, for sure. Um, I was just one, one thing of the, like one thing that uh, people listening might consider. So like a lot of companies will be looking for ways to reduce costs. So cloud optimization, these are mm-hmm. often uh, efforts that require all the teams in the company, lots of alignment, lots of discussion about um, waste, you know, reducing waste, changing habits inside teams to not waste uh, Mm -hmm. cloud resources anymore. Like this is one super pragmatic way to like say, hey, you know, has our company looked at, looked into this? And if not, like, maybe we need to be and maybe, you know, maybe I'm the person that can drive this initiative um, and make sure everybody like gets on board and shares the knowledge around it. Um, Well, we make, we make every uh, uh, link available on, on the show page on Agile FM. So we're going to link and people can get in touch with you Mm -hmm. Uh, that way. I'm going to share like the the Twitter handle and so, you know, so people know who who you are and how they get in touch with you. So please, Please do so. Thank you so much, Laurie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. 
If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon. Thank you.